Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan. And as many of you likely saw on social media and in some articles yesterday and this morning, we have very big news on the saga of Dr. Disrespect and Twitch. And unfortunately, we also have the same absence of full knowledge that we've had since this very saga begun. Of course, that absence of full knowledge didn't prevent a lot of people from reporting a lot of things on this particular topic, including myself. I have an entire playlist on this topic entitled Twitch Bans Dr. Disrespect, A Legal Discussion. And in that very first video, which is actually, if you can believe it, the most popular video Virtual Legality or this YouTube channel has ever put out there, I concluded my statements with respect to Dr. Disrespect, no pun intended, as follows. And so I would expect that ultimately what you will hear about this is a little bit down the line as part of that informal resolution process, maybe as part of an arbitration, the parties come out and say, you know, we disagreed as to whether or not a breach had occurred. We wish each other well, and we have otherwise settled. We will not disclose the terms of that settlement and best of luck to either of us on either side. And you don't ever hear exactly what happened here because whatever Twitch has, whatever it's basing it on, Dr. Disrespect probably doesn't want that to get out, whether it's completely fake and it's just rumors and whispers or whether it's accurate, you don't want that to get out if you're on his side. And Twitch doesn't want to go out with something that it absolutely can't 100% verify because to do so really does wind up with that kind of defamation lawsuit. You wind up escalating this situation. And instead, if you can arbitrate, if you can go through an informal resolution process, you can get out of this contract and maybe do it for half the money that you were otherwise going to be obligated to pay Dr. Disrespect, then I think if you're Twitch, you probably look at that as something like a win. And as I said back in the summer of 2020, that always seemed to be the most likely outcome. Now, you also heard me reference some more positive acknowledgments than we actually wound up seeing in the last day. The statement from Dr. Disrespect, which isn't even a statement, it's a picture of a card as signed by a Dr. Disrespect embossed pen. I have resolved my legal dispute with Twitch. No party admits to any wrongdoing. And he put this exactly up there on Twitter at 2.30 Eastern yesterday, we go to a PC Gamer article and we see a very similar approach taken by Twitch. Twitch confirmed the settlement in an almost identically worded email sent to PC Gamer. Dr. Disrespect and Twitch have resolved their legal dispute. No party admits to any wrongdoing. So we're going to go over some of the background for everything that happened here, just so that we have a full acknowledgement of why it happened this way why I said those things back in the summer of 2020, and why it looks the way it does right now. But if you're coming into this video expecting me to have inside sources or background material or people leaking things out about this settlement, arbitration award, whatever it is, you can turn this off right now. Because as has been the case since this happened initially, Dr. Disrespect, represented by CAA, big-time agents, big-time lawyers, big-time PR reps, and all the rest, all against a company, a subsidiary of Amazon, represented by its own army of lawyers and financial folks and representatives and all the rest, will lead to a situation like this. I know if you follow gaming or if you follow celebrity news or those kinds of things, you're used to leaks. But when you've got high-powered corporate type folks on either side. And it makes sense, as I mentioned back in the summer of 2020, 
for either side to really respect the confidentiality bounds of arbitration or whatever else they might agree to, you wind up with this kind of thing. I will tell you, before we even get into the specifics, that a statement like this is still vetted. This is what the parties agreed to go out there with. And it's also somewhat symbolic of a certain amount of acrimony, right? I said what I said back in the summer of 2020 because I thought usually when these things settle without an obvious answer to the questions that a curious public is otherwise raising, you try to hand wave. You try to say, you know, we were involved in a misunderstanding. Both sides aren't going to work together anymore, which is verified by Dr. Disrespect as part of this thread. But we walk away in good stead because honestly, we're never going to say anything about this ever again. Instead, what was agreed to was apparently a very, very terse statement where both sides basically say, this is over, but we're not saying anything else. And the no party admits to any wrongdoing is what speaks to me so often about a settlement, right? Arbitrator comes in, is probably deciding one side is wrong or the other. However, we will see in the rules of the JAMS arbitration group, which is what is covered in the Twitch Terms of Service requirement, which we'll also talk about a little bit as part of this video, that you can ask the arbitrator to, instead of finding an award, help settle things with you. And one of the things one side or the other generally wants out of this is a statement that we didn't do anything wrong. So Dr. Disrespect gets that. Twitch also gets that which can come up as part of this conversation because as we talked about in a video in this playlist I mentioned, Dr. Disrespect was making a lot of noises about potentially suing over this. And the potential there was a little bit fraught, as I mentioned in that video, it had a lot of hurdles to overcome, but it's then to the benefit of both Twitch and Dr. Disrespect to essentially say, we're walking away from this, probably money changed hands of some kind, uh, but what money that was, what level it was at, is an open question. Now, if that all sounded alien to you, because either you've never heard of Dr. Disrespect, maybe you've never heard of Twitch, and you certainly don't know anything about this saga, as I said, it's a very, very odd one. And the reasons I came to the conclusions I came to in the summer of 2020 are based on a lot of things that at least when this initially happened, people frankly weren't acknowledging. So to give you the right context here, it's worth noting in The Hollywood Reporter in March of 2020, streamer Dr. Disrespect signs multi-year deal to stay on Twitch, an exclusivity agreement separate from the terms of service, separate from the community guidelines, a big deal for Twitch because they were having people abandon ship left and right. This is after Ninja and Shroud left to Mixer. This is after Twitch was having a lot of trouble keeping the talent in-house and was also facing its own certain amount of scandals that, frankly, it continues to because Twitch is an interesting company. But he signs up for millions and millions of dollars. He's represented by CAA. He's essentially in Hollywood royalty land at this point in time, which also means that he's told to shut up when he's told to shut up. And Unlike some clients, he apparently took that advice well and was immediately quiet about what happened, right? We have a Forbes article just to give some background here, but on June 27th, 2020, as described by Forbes here, Twitch abruptly banned celebrity streamer Guy Dr. Disrespect Beam last night, leading to a day of speculation about what currently remaining mysterious circumstances. After a day of silence, Disrespect has only made a brief statement on Twitter. And that statement, along with Twitch's statement, were, once again, very terse. So Twitch comes out and says, 
As is our process, we take appropriate action when we have evidence that a streamer has acted in violation of our community guidelines or terms of service. These apply to all streamers, regardless of status or prominence in the community, which a reasonable mind would look at and see that they are directed to review the terms of service and the community guidelines, which is in fact what I wound up doing and will do in part, very short form, as part of this video. But that's the only statement they give, and it's a statement that doesn't really say much of anything except that Twitch thinks that something was violated and that that violation gave them the right to terminate what was a third separate agreement. Now, as I mentioned in my original video and this playlist, that's not at all unusual. You do what we call in the law incorporating by reference. You incorporate by reference what are the policies and procedures that you think are important to your functioning platform, regardless of the fact that this guy is famous and you're going to pay him millions of dollars. And people came in and said, well, how could those violations be a problem? These would have been separately negotiated as part of the exclusivity agreement. And certain aspects of them would be, there might be materiality thresholds, standards, standards of review that wouldn't apply to you or I if we were streaming on the service. We don't know because we don't know that contract. But still, at the end of the day, the community guidelines and the terms of service are almost always going to be incorporated by reference because it's the functional rules of the road for actually using their service. Similarly, we got a terse statement from Dr. Disrespect himself. Champions Club, Twitch has not notified me on the specific reason behind their decision. Firm handshakes to all for the support during this difficult time. He would later get some of that information, but that didn't stop people from what I would call needlessly and really problematically speculating on the issue, whether for clout to get out there with their name. And one of the biggest ones of these was a Twitter user by the name of Rod Breslau at Slasher. He says, look, for several hours now, I've been told from credible sources the reason Dr. Disrespect has been banned. However, due to the importance and sensitivity around the subject, I have refrained from going on it. I don't feel comfortable with it currently. And I mentioned in that previous video that this is a somewhat fortune teller-esque statement because whatever happened was undoubtedly of certain amounts of importance. And the fact that nobody was saying anything about it could be obviously implied to suggest a certain amount of sensitivity. So this was effectively a non-functional statement, but that didn't prevent him from doubling down with, in my opinion, much, much worse speculation. Food for thought. Twitch does not issue specific reasons to streamers for permanent bans. Method Josh was banned following a report of sexual assault and Twitch has never commented publicly or privately. Josh and Ice Poseidon were told other TOS violations. So at Slasher here is coming out knowing nothing, not willing to contribute to anything because it's too speculative or sensitive, but willing to put in the minds of reporters and others that this might well have something to do with a sexual assault which unfortunately some major publications ran with, including Paul Tassie, Eric Kane at Forbes, who are individuals that I like. I think they put a lot of good content out there. Uh, I discuss things with them on Twitter. But in this particular circumstance, you had a lot of needless speculation. I believe this is Eric Kane. I want to confirm that just to make sure I get the authors right here. It is talking about this issue, talking about how weird it is, and then going on and saying, you know, why wait so long to tweet this very brief statement? If Twitch banned me and I was a prominent streamer and they didn't tell me why, I would be on Twitter in a flash saying so, at which point I would say, hey, well, then you're not represented by good agents or good counsel or good reps of any kind, because if you've got a matter like this, it is very, very often in your best interest to be quiet about it. If sources are telling journalists like Breslau what's going on, surely the doctor himself is aware. And again, I've already pointed out, there's really no indication that that actually happened from anybody credible, but who knows? And unless something even worse has happened and Twitch and the handful of people who know what's going on aren't even allowed to tell Beam anything. 
I would like more transparency from all involved, quite frankly. All this opacity and hush-hush nonsense does is fuel speculation and rumor, and nobody deserves that, which may or may not be fair, depending on whether Twitch has a leg to stand on. If they only have a moderate leg to stand on, maybe they're trying to do Dr. Disrespect a service by not going out with half-ambiguous statements that they are otherwise concerned by. But of course, they're willing to terminate his contract and try to not pay him millions of dollars. So that argument probably doesn't hold a lot of water. Similarly, Paul Tassi at Forbes has a follow-up. I believe this is in August of that year. Quite literally, nothing has leaked out about Doc's Twitch ban in the last month. What legal reasons? That remains unclear. Perhaps more unclear than ever now, but I will needlessly speculate. At first, given that Doc's ban came immediately after a wave of Me Too allegations in the gaming industry, many of which led to Twitch bans, the logical leap was that perhaps something of that nature and or something criminal might be going on behind the scenes. This was the summer of 2020, and this is why the playlist that I made is as long as it is, because as much as I do enjoy the work of Paul and Eric and Forbes and all sorts of gaming industry veterans, they were going crazy on this point, and I can't really tell you why. But it's always very dangerous to speculate on questions like this, especially when there are obvious other reasons that could explain both the silence and why Twitch took the step that it did. As I mentioned in that original video, Twitch was going through a problem, but Twitch's problem was going to be resolved very shortly. Ninja, Shroud, other top Mixer streamers, now free to stream on Twitch again. Mixer, Rip, rest in peace. The very same week this all happened. Compounding the issue with needlessly speculating on potential criminal charges or things of that nature is the fact that the sponsors came back almost immediately. Dr. Disrespect sponsors reinstate ad campaigns despite Twitch ban. This is June 27th, 2020. And as of yesterday, we see Mountain Dew Game Fuel, not a small company represented by Mountain Dew, by the way, wishing Dr. Disrespect a happy birthday. Dr. Disrespect, the two-time champion, another year spent at the tippity top. Here's to you. Now, this doesn't mean that nothing happened. What this means is that nobody knows what happened and that there are reasons to believe that Twitch could have been motivated by a rapid change in the value of the contract that they had just entered into and with a personality that was known for potential, let's call it disrespect, could have used some of the things that it did know about the way he operated to try to justify a contract termination in a way that it would appear by everyone on the outside, Dr. Disrespect's representatives strongly disagreed with, which leads us to our present circumstances, right? Dr. Disrespect in August of last year put out a set of statements on YouTube that called out Twitch, basically said that they had defamed him, they had hurt his career, they had hurt his future prospects, they had hurt the ability to have the Dr. Disrespect universe that he was working on, and that, as he says here in the quote that I included, a lot of people ask me, do you know the reason? Yeah, I do know the reason why now. I've known for months the reason why, and I'll just say this right now, champs. There's a reason why we're suing the heck out of them. Cursing somewhat limited. And we're suing the heck out of them, as I referenced in this video, may or may not be just a reference to the ongoing arbitration between the two parties. Non-lawyers don't necessarily use suing the way that lawyers do. If you're involved in a highly priced, very tense set of depositions and arbitration and document exchanges, that can very much feel like you're suing the heck out of them, even at the time. So I always wanted to give that a grain of salt because we knew that this was likely an arbitration. How did we know that? Well, we know the Twitch standard. You and Twitch agree to arbitrate any dispute arising from these terms of service. Now, po folks came into my comments throughout this playlist and said, well, he's not going to have the exact same contract. And that's fair. 
But there's no real reason to believe that Twitch, that has expressed a preference to arbitrating these kinds of things, wouldn't otherwise have a preference to arbitrate these kinds of things in an exclusive agreement. And in that case, represented by counsel, represented by agents and other representatives of your interests, there's really not a lot of reason necessarily to fight against a confidential arbitration, right? If you know that Twitch may or may not be making completely specious claims about you in the future, and I would argue that depending on how you believe this all went down with Dr. Disrespect, if you are a streamer for Twitch, you might well think that now because Twitch is never, by all accounts, going to explain what it did to one of its biggest names here. And that should be something that you take with a grain of salt if you're thinking about where to sign an exclusivity agreement. But if you know that they're just going to make these claims and it's going to be very negative how you are reported on, then, you know, confidentiality and arbitration might make some sense to you. And we see that. We see you and Twitch further agree any arbitration will occur in California. Arbitration will be conducted confidentially by a single arbitrator in accordance with the rules of JAMS and that the state or federal courts in Santa Clara County, California have exclusive jurisdiction over any appeals of an arbitration award and over any suit between the parties not subject to arbitration. So if the agreement that's exclusive between Twitch and Dr. Disrespect has these same preferences referenced, and there's reason to believe that they do, we find ourselves in the jams rules, which thankfully for purposes of virtual legality and all of these conversations, they are nice enough to put forth publicly. And most importantly for this conversation, jams says as follows. Rule 26, jams and the arbitrator shall maintain the confidential nature of the arbitration proceeding. Nobody heard anything since the summer of 2020. This is what arbitration is for. This is why you actually agree to it. This is the benefit of your bargain. A number of you think that's Twitch's benefit of the bargain, and you're not wrong. But it can also be the benefit of the bargain for the represented millionaire that feels like he's being disparaged out in the public eye, including the hearing. You get to hear nothing about this. It's not a public process, except as necessary in connection with a judicial challenge to or enforcement of an award. So if this award involved some kind of injunctive relief, if it involved needing the state to do something or prevent a party from doing something, you might actually hear some of the specifics of it because they would have to take the arbitrator's award, put it in front of a court and have the court actually enforce the thing because arbitrators, very useful, alternative dispute resolution, don't actually have the power of the state behind them, don't have the power to put people in jails, don't have the power to enforce uh, liens and things like that. That probably didn't happen with what we are looking at here. This is probably a settlement based on the statements that came out and what's honestly more likely in any kind of commercial dispute. But regardless, Jam says this will all be private. This will all be kept quiet. You're going to work together. And if you don't want any of this going out, Jams isn't going to be the one to put it out there. In addition, if you want Jams to instead switch from an arbitration, which is something like a court proceeding, to helping you settle, we can do that too. Or as Rule 28 settlement says, the parties may agree to seek the assistance of the arbitrator in reaching settlement. By their written agreement to submit the matter to the arbitrator for settlement assistance, the parties will be deemed to have agreed that the assistance of the arbitrator in such settlement efforts will not disqualify the arbitrator from continuing to serve as arbitrator if settlement is not reached. You can't do some kind of fake settlement and conflict out the guy that's spending all the time figuring out what's going on between your two parties. So you can't do that. That's a jams rule. And if at any stage of the arbitration process, all parties agree upon a settlement of the issues in dispute and request the arbitrator to embody the agreement in a consent award, 
the arbitrator shall comply with such request unless the arbitrator believes the terms of the agreement are illegal or undermine the integrity of the arbitration process. So these parties can sit there. They can fight over this. They can collect evidence. They can do depositions. They can do all the things that you might otherwise associate with a normal litigation and trial situation. And at some point, even before an award is offered, they can decide, you know what? We want to settle. Why does that take so much time? Why does that happen? Why does any of this happen? Well, as we talked about in virtual legality, one of the things that occurs, the one of the reasons you get to litigation is because you believe strongly in your position and you believe the other side will be ruled against, right? If everybody knew to a T what was going to happen in the future, that if we go through with this, we're going to win, but we're only going to win this much or we're going to lose, then there would be no litigation. There would be settlements because it's an easy enough thing to look at the numbers and say, well, it'll cost me this much to litigate. It'll cost me this much for the arbitrator and the lawyers and everything else. And if I'm going to lose, then I should just settle for something that's less than that amount right now. And if everybody had perfect information, that would be what would happen. However, if you both believe in the righteousness of your cause, if Twitch sits there and says, look, we know something happened here. We have a legitimate reason to be able to cancel this contract and we're going to do it because it's worth millions of dollars to us because Mixer went down very shortly after we signed you. And so your contract is less valuable to us. So we're more willing to actually terminate you on maybe less than we would have been willing to terminate you on before Mixer went under. If we believe all of those things and then we tell you we're terminating and this is worth millions and millions of dollars to you, and your lawyers and representatives and agents say, this is pretty weak sauce for the reason we terminated, then that's how we get into a long-standing arbitration. But as that process goes forward, as you have more depositions, as more evidence is collected, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer which way things are likely to go. That's why you see settlements potentially before jury verdicts in the middle of a jury discussion in a criminal or civil trial. It's why you see various settlements happen throughout the course of an actual proceeding. It's because things become more and more obvious that they're going well for you or they're going poorly for you. And as that gives you that clarity, you start to have an understanding of the amount at risk, what you could lose in proceeding with this kind of thing. And so now, a year and a half hence from when all of this kind of stuff happened with threats of further lawsuits, with all of this garbage out there in the world, you've got both sides having the world's tersest settlement statement, what they could agree to. Couldn't agree to a bigger press release. Couldn't agree to saying anything nice about each other. It's over. Nobody's responsible. Is all we're ever likely to get. And why did it happen now? Well, in all likelihood, because some side or the other determined that they were going to have to pay more if they didn't settle this, that it was going to look worse, that something else was going to happen. And it was a close enough question to actually require all of this time to move one party or the other closer to that understanding. I suspect Dr. Disrespect got paid some portion of what he otherwise would have been owed, but not all of it. And that's the nature of settlement. That's the nature of compromise. I suspect he got paid. I suspect he didn't get paid what he would have been owed if he had a clear breach that he could explain on the side of Twitch. But that's all speculation. What isn't speculation is that from the start, this appeared to be a contract dispute that Twitch may well feel it is justified with some action they won't talk about to anyone. But it's still a contract dispute. And everything else that was said, everything else that was reported, everyone chasing clout or otherwise on social media was jumping ahead of the line to get their name out there. And we always should be circumspect about people that do that.
This has been virtual legality. This might be the last episode on the Dr. Disrespect saga. Hey, Dr. Disrespect, you want to come give an interview over on this channel? I'd be more than happy to have you on so you can explain some things. But I suspect you're under some pretty strong confidentiality restrictions in whatever settlement you've agreed to. So I totally understand you not coming on. Otherwise, if you enjoy these conversations about Twitch, games, streamers, pop culture, through the lens of business and law, please do consider supporting the channel. We can't do it without viewers and subscribers like you. We've had a lot of growth since that first Dr. Disrespect video went out there. But if you don't feel like doing that through Patreon, then just subscribing, ringing the bell, upvoting, downvoting, sharing these videos, these conversations on Reddit, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you find yourself. Every little bit helps, and every little bit helps grow this subscriber number, which makes YouTube pay more attention to us and creates a snowball effect. If you caught this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel. 